Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Sowing Hope. My name is Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you, and uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the Patchwork Heart Ministry YouTube channel on the Patchwork Heart family of media networks. I uh, always encourage you to head over to our new media website, patchworkheartradio.org, and you'll be able to learn more and follow and friend and like us uh, and be able to support us over there uh, on that brand new uh, website. So check it out. We hope that you engage with us. And uh, every once in a while, don't for, don't forget, you can send us an email, sowinghope at patchworkheart.org. Uh, but we are in the middle of a wonderful series on uh, parenting. And I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Anne DeSantis. Anne, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Bill. It's so good to be here. I, I love this series that we're doing. Yeah, it really is an exciting series. And uh, it's now uh, venturing out of my realm of uh, current, <laughs> <laughs> current expertise. But not too far away. <laughs> but not too far away. It's like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the ghost of Christmas future is here, I guess, right? Um, no, it's, um, it's exciting that we're going to be talking today about, um, I guess, on our third episode here about the uh, preschool age, right? That preschool age of, uh, of kids. And so uh, I'm trying to remember back to my preschool days. Uh, but but we'll have we'll have some fun on today's episode. Yes, we will. And I also just want to invite people to go and check out the former, you know, the previous episodes because this is a ten part series. So the very first one that we did was for pregnancy and infancy, and then we did one uh, number two was on the toddlerhood, and right. so now this one is going to be on the preschool age. Now I would consider preschool anywhere between like age, say two and maybe five at the most, but yeah. uh, probably two and four, somewhere around there. And of course I'm a parent of kids that are older, but we did go through those toddler times and those preschool times. And I think it's a precious time for you to introduce your children to Christ and to the church and I think a lot of it comes through reading. And I know, Bill, that you do a lot of that with your your son, where you do read the board books and teach. And, you know, like you said, your your son is is only 10 months old, but he he, he looks forward to that reading time, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's funny that even in the last couple of weeks, like he is now able to sit and go through a whole book when he wants to. You know, like when he's engaged and when we go, hey, let's go read. Um, and I can't wait for the days when he's the age to be able to understand and respond back and laugh at the different parts of the book. Right. Like, I mean, that's the beauty, I guess, of having a toddler running around is that, you know, you know, they, their language develops to a point where it's not just, you know, crying and, and laughing. Right. So they're able to respond. <laughs> yes. And cheer and go, wow, that's awesome. Part of the story. And. Uh, I can't wait for that page or whatever, right? Like that's, that's what I have to look forward to. But yeah, I think reading and um, I, I think it's a lot of time, just spending time uh, and quality time with your kids. 
is is important. But Anne, yeah, definitely uh, lean on and uh, would love to hear your experience with that whole, uh, you know, preschool age. Yeah, I think that everything in parenting builds on the time period before. So everything that I did, which led to what I taught my kids when they were two, between two and five, was the groundwork was laid when they were Bill's son's age, when they were Elvin's age, when they were babies. And I would pray with them or teach them about who Jesus was, even though there might not have been a complete understanding in their hearts of, about that, but it was a good beginning, right? And so the groundwork is laid even when they're babies and toddlers for that preschool age. Yeah. Um, but I think reading is an important thing. Now, I pulled up an article online and I remember that this was something that we did with our kids. Uh, if you want to catechize at a young age, it's something called Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And I don't know, Bill, if you've ever heard of that. But what it is, is it's a very experiential way to pray, to introduce your, your children to the quiet of, of when you walk into a church and the crucifix and all the different things, the holy water. You're introducing them to things, the sacramentals of the church but almost in sort of like a playful way. Now, I don't mean in like a, a, like a boisterous playful way. I mean, in a very quiet kind of a setting where everything is set up in a room, say you might have one area that's for, uh, with, a, with a crucifix. There's one area where there might be coloring pages and something to do with you know, our faith, the Catholic church, and there might be rosary beads in another section of the, of the room. And so it's really a teaching about all those aspects of, the, of Catholicism. So it could be the saints, it could be uh, prayers, right? Just teaching them simple prayers, our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be. And it's simple things that you can do. So if you've never heard of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, it's, like a, it's almost like a Montessori way that you can catechize and teach your children about the Catholic faith at a young age. And I just pulled up an article, and this article is on denvercatholic.org, and it was published actually in February of 2021 by Aaron Lambert. And it says that the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is a religious education method centered around the parable of the Good Shepherd and based largely on the Montessori method of education. Through interactive lessons and hands-on experiences, children learn about God and faith in a way that is experiential tangible and developmentally appropriate. Um, I want to say that what they said about the experiential and the tangible is really an important part of the catechesis of the good shepherd. And I remember my kids used to look forward to it. And the one thing that's really important about it is that it's not a time for talking. It is a time of silence. So when the kids walk into the room, they're supposed to be quiet. They're supposed to be reflective. They're supposed to go from one like little activity to the next, if that makes sense. So they might go to one table where there'd be these books and coloring pages where there's pictures of the Blessed Mother and Jesus, and they're just coloring. And then they could go to the next station where they're literally just praying. There might be a crucifix and a little kneeler, and they kneel down and do some prayers. But it's guided by the teacher in the room. So it's almost like a preschool. Uh, and I guess it is, but some of the homeschooling families use that for the homeschooling co-ops. I know that when my kids were in homeschooling co-op, that's one of the things they did. And I think some churches have implemented it too into their um, religious education programs for preschoolers. Yeah, 
It is. It's very true. Um, one of the previous parishes that I worked at um, was developing the entire room. The school actually, the parish school actually gave the religious education program a space to do catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And they were taking the school kids in the Catholic school through catechesis of the Good Shepherd and also the religious education program kids through it. And it's a beautiful uh, thing. In fact, I remember uh, getting a tour of the room. I mean, I was the youth minister. I was a little bit older um, working, you know, with, you know, high schoolers. So it wasn't relevant uh, for me in my program, other than the fact that, um, you know, a lot of the kids, young, younger siblings were in this program. And so I was able to um, talk with the director of religious education there and, you know, get a tour of the room and, and see everything that was going on in there. And, and it's exactly as you described, uh, they had different, you know, things on um, even building, you know, the different parts of the church. They, they would develop little like puzzles and three-dimensional building objects to build the church, you know, and the different parts of the church. So, uh, you know, you had the altar, you had, you know, the the ambo and the different areas to really instruct and put together uh, the the church. And then there was a little area for prayer, as Anne said, a little crucifix. And then there was uh, like a, a censer, you know, like a, a or a, a thurible, right? Like to, you know, teach them about incense and all these different things that were as part of the experience. Again, it's a tactile experience. Uh, and kids at this age, um, of course, need to have that experience you know they want to touch they want to smell they want to taste they want to feel all of those things you know using the five senses um it, it's so so important but um I, I think integrating the faith into that in some little way it begins to build that foundation it begins to build this is what we you know do when we walk into churches and said this is what we do when we receive communion this is what we do when we are listening to the priest in the homily, like all of these things take actual, you know, uh, there's a physical element to them, right? Or there's a, a tactile element uh, that relies on one of the senses, right? Um, and so, you know, telling kids that now is the time to listen to the priest during his homily. Now is the time to sing and participate and use your voice, um, you know, during the songs. And during the responses, and even if they're not a hundred percent there with the response shit, it's about that effort. Um, and so, yeah, what a beautiful um, you know way to integrate the faith. Uh, I encourage directors of religious education out there who are in charge of a parish, look at this. I've talked with some of the people too um, who have been directing uh, catechesis of the Good Shepherd in on a diocesan level and things like that uh, down in Chicago. Um, and it's it's pretty cool it's very cool uh so so yeah it's a great uh faith building program uh and it's something that parents can replicate in their homes you know like this is stuff that you can do they can send you home with certain little activities they're not going to be able to you know create a whole montessori room in your house or anything i mean if you can that's great but but you're not gonna be able to do that so um you know but bringing these little elements in and and helping uh, kids grow and learn what a that's a that's a fantastic um, suggestion for this age Anne. 
Thank you. And I also think that for you, I'm excited for Elvin and for your for him to go to that next step. I mean, he's got some time, right? Yeah. Between the next level since he's 10 <laughs> months old. He's still got to go through toddlerhood, right? Yeah. But uh, but it's something to look forward to. And I think you made a good point. It's there's a certain reverence, and I think you use that word that when you teach the, the kids at a young age that reverence, then when they go to mass and they're being told be quiet, stop talking and you always have to have them entertained, then they, if, I think teaching them at a young age that, you know, mass is not the place to go wild. Mass is not the place to talk really loud to your brother or sister. Now it happens, right? It does happen. And of course the Catholic church, I think really encourages because we're pro-life. We want everybody at mass, right? We don't just want uh, couples to come without their child. But when you try to instill that at a younger age, I do think it makes it slightly easier. Now, every child has a different personality, right, Bill? I mean, so some kids are a lot more active where they just can't stop moving, even if they're at church. I remember when my daughter, Sean, my youngest daughter was pretty active as a toddler. So it was, it was challenging sometimes for us to take everybody to mass. And admittedly, sometimes we did do the tag team thing where we would take turns when they were below a certain age, you know, because it's, it's not a sin when they're really like infants or babies not to take them to mass, you know, but I do see families that have done it, right? Families that teach their kids at a really young age that, um, that they should be at mass. I think the age is the age of reason, whatever. I'm not sure exactly what age that is, but, you know, once they're at that age of reason, then, then yes, they're, they're responsible to, to go to mass every single week. But but I think that this um, whole idea of the catechesis of the Good Shepherd, it really helps to prepare your kids to learn that mass is the time to pray. Mass is the time to listen, right? And mass is the time to, to yes, behave in some ways, right? I mean, it is a time to sit and listen and try to be attentive to what's going on. But I think one of the best ways that we can do as parents is just for us to model that too, right, Bill? I mean, if we go to mass and we put our head down to pray instead of talking to our spouse or whatever during mass, if we seem like we're really into it and engaged, I think the kids will also see that too, right? Because they imitate what we do. Oh, absolutely. Um, I do think that they do. They imitate. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I, one of the things I love about where I go to church uh, on a regular basis in, in my home parish um, is that, you know, there's a very family oriented feel at our parishes and off, and we have masses at all different times. Um, we have a, you know, which is, which is nice. And this is something pastors and parishes can think about to become uh, welcoming and open. Right. Uh, you know, we, we, we tend to, uh, you know, as single people, you know, maybe, or, you know, mar young married couples that don't have kids, maybe, you tend to go to mass um, at times that are more convenient for you, around your schedule, right? Like you go, uh, you know, at 8, 8, 8.30 in the morning or you go at, you know, 10.30 in the morning, depending on what you have going on. Uh, but, but our parish has done a really great job. So they have a, the, the 4.15 in the afternoon and they have at 8.30 in the morning, they have a 10.30 in Spanish and they have a 6.15 p.m. on Sunday night. Uh, which a lot of young families go to a 6.15 p.m. at night. Um, a lot of college kids like that mass too, but uh, 
you know, I was there this past Sunday uh, with with the um, six fifteen mass, and it was beautiful because there's all these little kids and you know young families um, that are there with because the time's convenient. It's not you know early morning. You're not getting kids out of bed. You're not like there can be some level of, Hey, you know what? We're going to wind down for the day. We're going to go to mass and we're going to go home. We're going to go to bed, you know? And so there can kind of be that uh, experience at our parish. And now I know not every parish does that and that's, and that's okay. But, um, but it's beautiful. And it gets more and more packed with, with young families and young people uh, because it's a convenient time for that. Let's wind down and let's go to bed for for those young, for those young kids. No, I love that your church does that. And I really do think that there are some churches that do better with being family friendly than others, but it's hard for all churches because they're understaffed right now. Let's face it, but it's good to hear that um, churches like yours are really catering to, to families. And my church is excellent too. I think that way with the selection of masses and just the way that what we offer there for family life. Um, But, but, you know, if you are in a parish community that you feel like, you know, sometimes it is a good thing to check out if you're not being fed, right? And you feel like another church might be able to serve the needs for your family, then it's not, it's not a bad thing to consider maybe going to another area church. Not, I don't, I'm not a proponent for having to drive too far out of the way, right? But maybe there's an area church that you can go to that would serve your family a little bit better with the masses that they offer and the programs, things like that. Right. And it's for a season. Like we're not talking yeah. about, we're not talking about you know, like switching parishes for forever. Right. Right, like, right. You know, for a season for, for these couple of years where, you know, or even if it's a day by day thing, like, like just being aware, like, you know what, because there's sometimes that my parish times are not convenient for my family. Right. Like, and so I look at that and I go, okay, you know what? It's easier for me to go over to this parish a few blocks away to go to mass, you know, in the morning or go to mass in the afternoon or whatever it is, because, because I juggle. So I don't always attend my own parish. So whatever season, whatever, whatever the daily demands are of your family, um, you know, and, and it's not about fitting mass in, it's about giving it the, the, the importance um, and the, and the place in your day, you know, put that in your Sunday first. Like, okay, we've got all this going on, but where is the mass going to take place this weekend, right? Is it going to be on Saturday night? Is it going to be on Sunday? Put that in your weekend plans first and then build. Mm. And then you're like, okay, I, I know he's got soccer practice. I know this one's got this going on. I know that one's got that going on, but you know, where are we going to do it? And I guarantee you'll find a time within your local community, like there's, there's something for you. Yeah, that's a great point. And you don't even necessarily have to like formally switch out of the church that you're in if you do like it. Right. But for a season, you might be going to mass at a different church for a while or something. If they offer times that work better for you and your family, Yeah, that that was well said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Right. With the toddler or preschooler. Right. Um, And I think also, I will say this, that I don't think it's wrong that for preschoolers who are extremely active, that if you bring a coloring book or something or a little toy, and I used to try to bring religious things like religious books, board books and things to church that if they weren't going to pay attention to the readings at that time, maybe if they were three years old or something, 
that at least they were sitting there with a book that was somewhat related to art, the church, the Catholic church and, and what we were doing. So I, I just think that's also a helpful hint with, uh, with dealing with a preschooler. But um, I pulled up this article too, which just had some tips for uh, parenting. It says, this is eight ways that moms can teach the Catholic faith to their kids without preaching. And it's from Alaticia. And I'll just give you a few. It says to make quiet time for yourself to pray every day, to pray out loud spontaneously around your kids. I'll just, we'll just do a few for now and speak well of your parents and your husband's parents. I mean, I guess that that's in terms of, you know, actually them seeing you live out your faith, right? Some of those things, praying out loud, right? That's a way that you can teach your preschoolers when you do grace at dinner. When you pray, the bless us, O Lord, at every meal. When you do the night prayers, that's something that you carry from toddlerhood, right? Babyhood that you carry right into preschool age yeah. and teaching them the value of prayer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And those are some really good tips, uh, especially during the Lenten season, right? Like we're in Lent and just um, pick things that are practical to do during Lent. You know, I mean, like if you haven't picked your Lenten sacrifice, whatever you're going to do, think about that. Pray out loud with your kids. Like that can be a little habit you start, you know, uh, pray out, pray aloud, pray spontaneously. Um, that's a great tip. It just, you know, something you can even start during Lenten. It can be a little Lenten penance or sacrifice or, you know, addition to your spirituality. Um, I always was big on that um, during the season, right? Like, um, Add something that's going to stay with you. Uh, you know, Matthew Kelly always has that line in his uh, Lenten stuff that says, don't give up chocolate this Lent, right? Because you give oh, up yeah. chocolate, <laughs> as you give up chocolate, you're going to go back to chocolate, right? Like, and, mm -hmm. you know, at, on Easter, you're just going to binge, right? And, you know, it's nice to give it up and, you know, okay, it's something you really enjoy and, and that's fine. But like, if you add something extra in, like praying with your kids or praying out loud spontaneously around your kids, that's something that, is probably going to last with you beyond the Easter season. You know what I mean? Like it's going to continue to go on in your spirituality. Uh, and so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's something you build up, something you do extra, um, which, you know, versus just, oh, let me give this up, you know, uh, and, and go back to it, you know, on, on Easter, on Easter, you know, I, uh, I, I just always like that. Uh, I heard a priest one time say that and I'm like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. No, I like that a lot. And, and also it really makes it very proactive. So for you who are listening and thinking, hmm, what can I do for Lent? And of course, we know that all these podcasts are available on demand even way after the Lenten season. It'll be available to listen to even this summer or next year, whenever. So the idea of Lent is one thing, but it's something that you can just do all year round. And this article that I was reading also says just some more of those tips. It says um, taking your kids to Mass speaking well of other parents, and that's in terms of avoiding gossip, interacting with the homeless, and being present. And the last one they have is speak loving, lovingly of your husband, or if you're a single parent, speak well of your kid's father. And, you know, even little kids pick up on this stuff, don't they? And I think it's a way that to teach the kids the faith isn't just, you know, we think about going to mass, we think about praying, we think about giving alms or sacrificing, but it's also the way that we live our lives, right? I mean, believe it or not, the way that we live our lives, if we don't gossip about people or talk bad about people, 
then your child is going to be less apt to do that, right? Because they learn it from somewhere. They learn virtue, but unfortunately they do learn vice too, (laughs) don't they? They do. And they learn it at a young age. And I think that kids' minds between the ages of two and five, they say that three years old is the most active that you'll ever be in your whole life, right? You'll never be quite as active in your life in terms of running around, learning, constantly just being a sponge than you are at the age of three. So think about that. If you teach your kids something positive about the church, about prayer, but also about your interactions too, then they're going to learn from that too. They're going to learn that, you know, mommy doesn't go over with all the other ladies that are drinking coffee and talking about neighbors, right? Mm. I know that's a side note, but I mean, it's, the way that we live our lives does make a difference too, to, to our preschoolers. Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think there's so many great tips um, that we gave in this episode. And I think, you know, again, you know, as I begin thinking about uh, parenting a, uh, you know, preschooler, these are things that, you know, young parents can, can pop it, pop in on. And, you know, don't feel, the other thing is don't feel overwhelmed, right? This you can do one or two of these things, implement them in your life. Um, and you can fail at it too. Like, you know, there's no, there's no judgment here, right? Like we're not here to say, oh my gosh, you know, there's not a success rating. I, I think that's um, one of the big things I'm learning is like, you know what? Um, I, I just do better next time. If I, if I don't do well here, I do better next time. Right. And, and uh, you know, that's a great lesson for, for toddlers and, and preschoolers too, is to learn, you know what, mommy and daddy make mistakes too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can show them that, uh, Hey, not every single time we're, are, are, are we perfect? So, you know, don't worry about, it. don't get overwhelmed. If you're like, ah, man, I didn't do such a great job today at praying out loud with my kids. There's tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, I love that bill. Because, you know, that's why we were human, right? I mean, that's why we have the sacrament of reconciliation, because we realize that every day is a challenge, isn't it? And every day there's something going on where it's between our needs and the needs of our kids and our family. And, and I think there's a fine line there, too, because we're, we're very close and attached to our kids, but we really want them to grow, too, to be their own people, but we also want them to be involved in their faith because it's the best thing for them not only for their life here but for the rest of their life and their faith will be the greatest gift to them when they get older and at the end of their lives there's not there won't be anything they treasure more than their faith Mm -hmm. and so teaching them at this young age of preschool uh is is just a wonderful thing now i think for our next episode since we're up to preschool we're going to talk about the whole kindergarten range that you know entering school so we'll just call it kindergarten and around that time right five or six years old yeah absolutely that'll so stay tuned for the next one absolutely and uh and real quick let's just give a a quick shout out for tomorrow night um on on the uh, saint remonatus foundation and also on patchwork art ministry uh youtube channel and all that good stuff uh facebook we are going to be doing a two-part series on the pro-life stuff, uh, Mickey Kelly, who's the president of the uh, St. Raymond and Otis Foundation, uh, is going to be joining us for that conversation. Uh, and so tomorrow night 
8 p.m. Eastern time on uh, our channels on YouTube and on Facebook. Uh, you'll be able to tune in and watch part one of this two-part series on uh, From Womb to Tomb. It's a pro-life series that's going to be spanning the whole um, you know, part of pro-life, everything from womb to tomb. So uh, part one focuses on womb, and then part two focuses on tomb. But uh, we're, we're super excited. I know I'm super excited for that series, and there's a new trailer out. So probably see the trailer in the beginning of this uh, podcast or at the end of this podcast. You'll, you'll catch it again. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Same here, Bill. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening to Sewing Hope. Of course. Well, until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Art Ministry, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep feeding to your Catholic heart, sewing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos too.